Hey, what it is? <laughs> Coming at you from the West Coast, it's your boy Sam. How is everybody doing? Hello? How do you do? Plague Deity indeed. Three chapters, let's get it. Let's get it together. Let's get it together. We gotta, we gotta hold it together. How's it going, Missy? How you doing, Miss Messica? Hello, hello. Orly Rose, how are you doing? <laughs> oh no, broke his arm? Well, I hope he's doing better now, Orly Rose. That sounds rough. Sounds like a rough day. I hope you're doing a bit better. Yeah, Fabriella, we got three chapters today. That's right, we've had a couple of three-chapter weeks, haven't we? As a matter of fact, even though we've got three chapters today, it's not going to be a terribly long one. It's one of those situations where, like, I could do four chapters, but then that would leave us with one very short chapter at the end? And so, that didn't seem quite right? I don't know. Didn't seem like the way to do it. Didn't seem like the way to go. Um, and I forgot last week, but I gotta, I gotta put my, my, uh, stinking sound panels up again so that I can so that I can dampen all the sound of my own voice because I, I can hear it coming out of the speakers sometimes when I'm editing and it's just it doesn't sound quite right at some point I gotta just admit like you know I've gotten the sound to a reasonable point and I kind of have to chill about it you know what I mean I kind of just have to accept like no I've, I've done an okay job time to time to just quit nitpicking about it but now is not that time now is not that time we have not reached it yet oh man what have you been doing this week y'all i'm gonna announce this a couple of times but uh speaking of this week and the passage of time boy another week transition from your boy next week no stream no streams at all next week. Um, I've had a couple of light weeks, I know, coming up to this one. Next week, I'm going to be on the road. The week after that, however, I am planning to be traveling um, for... I'm, I'm going to be sort of on a trip. I'm not going to be traveling. I'm going to be traveling for a little less than a week, and I'm going to be uh, visiting my hometown back in the Midwest, um, let's see, for basically all of the month of June. During that time, I intend to have my PC with me, or at the very least, uh, some means of streaming, even if it's just off my phone. I plan to continue to stream during that time, but next week I'm going to be actually on the road, so nothing next week. No Tuesday, no Wednesday, no Thursday, um, and for all of you who have joined us for that Wednesday campaign, that was awesome. Uh, that eight-part mini-series concluded yesterday, so if you are curious about that, you can find the seven episodes that are currently up on YouTube. Um, that is going to be right here. You can follow that link, and that will take you to the playlist. However, uh, I'm going to be editing the final one, and that should be up before we leave on our trip. So um, that one will drop, I believe, the normal time on Tuesday. Now, with that said... I am going to uh, put up a little bit of a questionnaire over in the Discord later on about that uh, about that campaign. As y'all may know, I would really love to do more of that here on the channel, and frankly, I'm going to be interested in two major groups. First of all, the people who enjoyed it and why, and secondly, the people who didn't and why. Um, I think it is, you know, it would be valuable for me to know, like, if that's just not something you're interested in at all, or it's just the, the subject matter didn't grab you, or what have you. Um, I'm going to be interested, I think, mostly in those folks who are interested in that style of storytelling, but this one specifically didn't really grab you. Um, 
and uh, I promise I take criticism pretty darn well in this kind of sphere, so um, we will be talking about that later on. I would love to get some feedback from all of y'all, even if that feedback is just, yeah, I didn't really feel like clicking, and here's why. Um, Sloth Creature says, I almost have Harry Potter memorized. <laughs> Uh, because you use it for a background noise so much. Wow, Sloth Creatures. That, that is some heavy listening habit. Dahlia says, I know exactly what you mean, Sam. I'm facing that too. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, let's see. What else we got here? Missy says, Darn, we're really close to finishing this book. We are, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to have to take a week off right here at the end, which is not ideal, but, you know, we're going to make it work. And then we're going to be rolling right on into our next one. Uh, we're going to be starting our next book while I'm on our trip, which is strange. As I've been looking back at some of the older readings uh, throughout Harry Potter, I kind of have noticed that at the beginning of just about every one of those books, there's something goofy going on. Um, now, let's see. I believe at the beginning of, I want to say, Order of the Phoenix... That was my fault because I was testing out uh, the music thing and I really should not have done that at the very beginning of a book, but you know, going back, the the first chapters of any one of the Harry Potter books are definitely my most popular videos overall. Um, and I, I can definitely tell like some people have turned around and walked right back on out the door because of the various things that were going on during some of those early episodes. So what can you do? Rose says, I'll tell you, the kiddo loves listening to Sam. It's helped keep him calm right now. Well, that's good. I'll keep him calm and engaged. That is good to hear. I hope you're doing well, kiddo. I hope you heal up quick, and uh, I hope you get some great signatures on your cast, if that's a thing that y'all are doing. Um, Tanisha says, Prob's going to be flying back to the UK in a couple of weeks. Going to miss a bunch of streams after that because of the time difference. I see... Tanisha, yeah, are you moving? Are you just on uh, doing some travel? What's your plan there, Tanisha? Because we'll miss you. We'll miss you. Tanisha has definitely become... We'll miss you, Tanisha. We'll miss you, Tanisha. You've definitely become a name that I, I look forward to seeing in here. As are as have so many. You know, that used to be a really short list of folks who are, like, in here super regularly and and came to, uh, came to chat, but... That list has grown a lot longer. Tanisha, you're definitely on there. Sloth Creature says, uh, did you like, uh, let's see, did you use the British version of the Harry Potter books? Some of the wording is different from my book version. Um, let's see. I don't believe so. I think I use all of the um, American variant of that, if I remember correctly. But frankly, that is often not the case. Jade Dragon, hello. How are you? I see Mighty Monkey and Fabriella is in as well. Gems, how you doing? I can see, let's see, who's over in Discord? Dahlia, Jade, Joseph, MMP, Sander, Mighty Monkey. I hope y'all are doing well. Let's see, let's see. Got Silver Sharpie and a blue cast. That is a great combination. That's some, uh, that's kind of Ravenclaw colors. At six years old, I'm guessing this little one is not old enough yet to know what house they, are, they go in. I think it would be too hard to know at this age, but, you know, soon, it's coming up. Tanisha says, my parents live there, so I visit them during the summer. I gotcha. I see. Interesting. And I guess this isn't the right venue for me to be curious about, like, who you stay with while you're here and, like, what your whole situation is, but that's all right. I'm curious, but I'm going to be curious sort of quietly and not have you, like, throw a bunch of personal information all over the internet. 
what would they change uh, in Harry Potter UK versus US? Um, well, Sander, um, oftentimes there are some like a little bits of wording, but the biggest one that I know of, the biggest one I'm aware of, is um, Sorcerer's Stone versus Philosopher's Stone. Um, I believe in the UK, and sort of the original intent was the Philosopher's Stone, but I guess someone got the idea that that was going to be too heady or something for the American audience, so they changed it to the Sorcerer's Stone for the American release. That's the big one, but there are other things like you know, uh, boot of the car versus trunk of the car. I don't, I don't know specifically which other words got changed around, but dustbins instead of trash cans says Jade Dragon. Good example. Yes. Rose says, <laughs> Rose says, kiddo swears he's Slytherin because he's blown and likes reptiles. I'll bet there are. You know what? I'll bet. I'll bet uh, David Attenborough was a was a Ravenclaw. I think you can. I think you can be really into reptiles and still be a Ravenclaw. But you know what? Maybe I'm just a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased as a Ravenclaw myself. Sloth creatures is studying. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Revising instead of studying. Yeah. Oh, that was probably one that comes up a lot. Sloth creatures. Yeah. In the UK, they call it revising, and in the United States, they call it studying. Um, which, frankly, I think the UK gets most of them more correct. Um, most of the words that I hear differently, I kind of resonate a little bit more with the UK version, but I think studying, studying feels like the right one in this case. Revising seems like, I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Um, I guess, you know, that that's rooted in the way that we use the term revising, uh, which might be different as well. I imagine so. Sandra says, they changed the characters' names in my language, so it just feels wrong to read. Oh, does it? <laughs> What's a, give me an example. Give me an example of the one that feels the weirdest, Sander. What name seems the weirdest? We were talking about name changes on uh, Tuesday uh, with The Hobbit, because, um, for instance... Well, let me back up a little bit. We were talking about name changes, because we were talking about uh, diction and linguistics and how... Uh, how oftentimes prophecy is such a goof em up in in fantasy because it often relies on the specific uh, on, on two different translations of one word, but that word is almost always in English. For instance, like the the glint of gold and, and using the word burn to represent the shine of gold, like that's kind of a pretty English specific little trick you did linguistically there. Um, but all of this to say. Um, uh, the the Lord of the Rings books were actually it is it is canon that they are supposed to be sort of like um, uh, uh, translations by some modern day scholar of some writings that he found regarding the the hobbits and all of this and so Frodo's real name is Maura M A U R A uh, and all of the other ones have have different names and the idea of Frodo or even Baggins those are supposed to be translations into modern day English approximations of of the right words does that make sense so I don't know it's a, it's a it's a funny thing to hear so Sandra says Hermione is uh, Jasmine interesting which is the the closest pronunciation I can say for Jasmine I would be curious to hear how y'all pronounce it over there uh, because it's J-A-S-M-I-J-N. Would that be uh, Yasmin? Am I, am I close there? I do apologize. I, I realize it's a pretty German reading. Um, Orly Rose says, Ah, oh, they keep things like treacle pudding instead of dessert. and uh, Oh, excuse me. Treacle pudding instead of dessert. And jumper instead of sweater. Jasmine? 
Yeah, I've, I've, I, and this is the tough thing about communicating pronunciation over text, so I do appreciate you giving it a shot. I was close. I was close. Um, Intikana, thank you very much for the Prime subscription. I appreciate you. All of you who have jumped in, uh, we had Solderfish yesterday with uh, 11 months. I have been an affiliate here on Twitch for almost a year. Almost. It's getting close. Doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like a year in the least, but I'm getting close to it. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. That is a huge difference though. And I wonder why as well. Is it just because Hermione is like so far out of the realm of, of a, uh, a name you would ever hear? in your day-to-day? -day? I don't know. Intikana says, hi guys, it's been a while since I've caught the live stream. I've been so busy, but I've missed you all. So happy to be here today. Loving book two. Intikana, I am glad to hear it. It's great to have you back. I don't know how long you'll be back, but hey, you're back this week. It's great to see you. Um, once again, one of those names that it's just great to see in here every week. Yeah, Sandra says, Hermione is not a name you would hear here. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's good to know um, that if I ever see some, <laughs> some really uh, different... I know I know a, a couple of other names have been changed. I know this is not the only series that's done it either. I know that, for instance, Moana, someone had to have a name change because uh, there was a, another sort of celebrity uh, who shared that name. I believe it was in Italy. <laughs> not something you necessarily want to look up, but hey, it's there. It's real. Um these are these are the the many goofy things that you find with uh, translations, but I'm glad we're doing it. You know, I'm glad we have got these stories that we can share across various languages. Even if some of the names have changed, we've still got the important bits. Um, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, um, so many of these. Like I think Lord of the Rings is one of the most translated series, um, but I think Harry Potter's up there as well. And I should say most translated. I guess I would have to clarify that by saying translated into the most other languages uh, than its origin. I don't know. I don't know how to how to say it precisely enough. Cookie Monster, hi. How are you? Good to have you here. Y'all, what do you think? We don't have, like I said, we don't have a terribly long char uh, uh, stream today in spite of the fact that we do indeed have three chapters that we're going to be reading. So, you know what? I think uh, you know, let's do some let's do some review and then we'll see kind of uh, how long that takes us. Sanders said the Bible's the most translated. Um, yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Lisa Hall says these books are a lot better than I expected. I'm glad you picked this series. Well, that's the thing, Lisa. I didn't pick it. Y'all picked it. Um, a, a, a <laughs> I realize I'm being pedantic, but uh, no, I, I really like the way that we have been doing this thus far. Um, I like that we have been voting on these. Uh, I think it's a great system. I just pick the ones. I just uh, I, I let y'all throw in your suggestions, and then I pull out any of the ones that I don't think would be a good fit for this channel, or at least wouldn't be a good fit right now, and then y'all vote on them. I think it's been working great. So, Lisa, you can thank me a little, but you can thank everyone else here, all of the uh, all the Percy Jackson fans. You can thank them a lot. So, last time. Last time on Flying Sidecar. We read, oh boy, chapters... What was it, 13, 14, 15? I believe so. We meet the Sheep of Doom. Nobody gets the fleece, and I go down with the ship. In essence, we have arrived on Polyphemus' island. 
We've gotten through the the dangers of the Sea of Monsters, right? These are these are dangers that have shown up in Greek myth since the beginning of Greek myth. At least our understanding of the beginning of Greek myth, you know, the earliest ones that we know of. Um, these stories of Scylla and Charybdis, the the reptilian creature up on the cliffs and the storm, uh, all of the beasts below the sea. And the island containing this um, uh, this uh, cyclops, these are stories from Greek myth, and Percy has managed to traverse them. Um, they've gotten through the Sea of Monsters okay. They've gotten through all right. Um, they had to deal with the sorceress Circe. Um, I wonder if that's part of the root word. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if I wonder if the word sorcerer came from Cersei, but I, I do not know. Could not tell you. Uh, I'll, I'll have a bit of research for next week. Um, and then they arrive here on the island. Uh, it is taken help from Hermes. It is taken help from Poseidon, from Tyson, who we lost track of for quite a while, and we've only just been reunited with. And uh, now we are here. We can rescue Grover. Um... Uh, Clarice is here. Clarice has been on this quest as well, and uh, Percy and Clarice kind of cross paths and then uncross and then recross, and finally we're all here on the island for the showdown. It goes about as well as you imagine. Not terribly well. Uh, they managed to free Grover, and they managed to free Clarice, who did manage to get to the island, but has been taken captive by the Cyclops. Um, Arriving here, Percy and Annabeth have to come up with a plan. They need to get the fleece, they need to get Tyson, and they need to get... What did I just say? Something, something went wrong there. I, I said Clarice in there. I don't know which word I accidentally replaced with Clarice, so let me start once more. Um, they have... Uh, it, Percy and Annabeth have to figure out a plan to get the fleece. That's what I said. I said fleece, not Clarice. They have to get the fleece. They have to... <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes I just get a pile of syllables. I just get a pile of syllables, and I sort of sort them out posthumously. I sort them out after the fact. This happens when people are talking to me as well. Sometimes I will just get, like, a pile of syllables that they throw at me, and I'll sort of sort them into words, and then it takes me a few seconds to understand precisely what words they actually said, because I just got the syllables in a, in, a, in a big heap, in a big Sunday of syllables. So let me, let me actually get this sentence out. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Percy, Annabeth, gotta get the fleece. Gotta get Grover out of here. Gotta get Clarice. And they have to do this without Polyphemus killing them both. Uh, Polyphemus, not super intelligent, but wicked strong, and also presides as a shepherd over a flock of sheep that eat people. A flock of, it's a flock of sheep that eats people. And they guard this golden fleece. It's caused his island to grow beautiful and uh, his herd to grow strong but it's going to go back to normal when uh, if Percy can get away with this thing with this heist with this oceans let's see f oceans four heist ocean of monsters heist I don't know how this ties in I just know that uh, Brad Pitt's going to be eating a lot of sandwiches during the thing they managed to get Grover free they managed to get their hands nearly on the fleece um, I believe they've got the fleece at this point uh, once we're going to be picking up here um, Annabeth is free, Clarice is free Grover's free, they're all running down the beach after Tyson manages to pitch um, 
uh, uh, Polyphemus into into this chasm in the middle of the island. So they think they're pretty much home free, but here come the man-eating sheep. And that's about where we start today. It's a little weird, right? It, kind of an odd spot to... to st- well, honestly, it's kind of on me, isn't it? An odd spot to stop last week. Uh, I think we found we found a nice rhythm toward the end of Harry Potter where we were really hitting like those nice little mini arcs within the chapters, but this time we find ourselves like in the middle of a lot of them. Maybe I just have to read ahead better. I do read ahead for all of these now. I didn't used to, but now I do. And uh, maybe I just need to do a better job of it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not on y'all, so it's got to be on me. <laughs> Orly Rose says, Clarice was not so bright in this scenario. Uh, and <laughs> Dahlia said, you had me dead at posthumously sorting out syllables. I mean, that's how they, that's how they arrive. Sometimes. Sometimes. I would say it's like less than one percent of the sentences said to me just sort of it's like someone like loaded up a a blanket full of syllables and just sort of used it as a slingshot and chucked them all at me fabriella says next time one of my students botches one of their vocabulary words i'm going to use that phrase syllable sunday use it with use it with care use that phrase there's power in that phrase escarlo it says sam sam says words gone wonky Indeed. You are not late at all, Sparkle Lovegood. As a matter of fact, you are right on time. I think it's about time that we begin. I think it's time, don't you? Let's get started. Y'all, thank you very much for joining me. Once again, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. I stream Tuesdays through Thursdays. And if you want to find out more about what I do, you can use the command playlists. That will bring up a link that will also be available to you over in the YouTube description if that's where you're watching this one. Chapter 16. I go down with the ship. You'd think that he'd run out of rocks, I muttered. Swim for it, Grover said. He and Clarice plunged into the surf. Annabeth hung on to Clarice's neck and tried to paddle with one hand, the wet fleece weighing her down. But the monster's attention wasn't on the fleece. You, young Cyclops, Polyphemus roared, traitor to your kind. Tyson froze. Don't listen to him, I pleaded. Come on. I pulled Tyson's arm, but I might as well have been pulling on a mountain. He turned and faced the older Cyclops. Mm. I am not a traitor. You serve mortals, Polyphemus shouted. Thieving humans. Polyphemus threw his first boulder. Tyson swatted it aside with his fist. Not a traitor, Mm, Tyson said. And you are not my kind. Death! Victory! Polyphemus charged into the surf, but his foot was still wounded. He immediately stumbled and fell on his face. That would have been funny, except he started to get up again, spitting salt water and growling. Percy! Clarice yelled. Come on! They were almost to the ship with the fleece. If I could just keep the monster distracted a little longer... Go... Tyson told me. Mm, I will hold 
Big ugly. No, 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 he's gonna kill you. I'd already lost Tyson once. I wasn't going to lose him again. We'll fight him together. Hmm. Together, Tyson agreed. I drew my sword. Polyphemus advanced carefully, limping worse than ever, but there was nothing wrong with his throwing arm. He chucked the second boulder. I dove to one side, but I still would have been squashed if Tyson's fist hadn't blasted the rock to rubble. I willed the sea to rise. A twenty-foot wave surged up, lifting me on its crest. I rose toward the cyclops and kicked him in the eye, leaping over his head as the water blasted him onto the beach. Destroy you! Polyphemus spluttered. Fleece stealer! You stole the fleece! I yelled. You've been using it to lure satyrs to their deaths. So? Satyrs good eating. That fleece should be used to heal. It belongs to the children of the gods. I am a child of the gods. Polyphemus swiped at me, but I sidestepped. Father Poseidon, curse this thief! He was blinking hard now, like he could barely see, and I realized he was targeting by the sound of my voice. Poseidon won't curse me, I said, backing up as the Cyclops grabbed air. I'm his son, too. He won't play favorites. Polyphemus roared. He ripped an olive tree out of the side of the cliff and smashed it where I'd been standing a moment before. Humans not the same. Nasty trick. Lying. Grover was helping Annabeth aboard the ship. Clarice was waving frantically at me, telling me to come on. Tyson worked his way around Polyphemus, trying to get me behind him. Young one, the older Cyclops called. Where are you? Help me. Tyson stopped. You weren't raised right, Polyphemus wailed, shaking his olive tree club. Poor orphaned brother, help me. No one moved. No sound but the ocean and my own heartbeat. Then Tyson stepped forward, raising his hands defensively. Don't fight, hmm? Cyclops, brother. Put down the... Polyphemus spun toward his voice. Tyson! I shouted. The tree struck him with such force it would have flattened me into a Percy pizza with extra olives. Tyson flew backward, plowing a trench in the sand. Polyphemus charged after him, but I shouted, No! and lunged as far as I could with Riptide. I'd hoped to sting Polyphemus in the back of the thigh, but I managed to leap a little bit higher. Polyphemus bleated just like his sheep and swung at me with his tree. I dove, but I still got raked across the back by a dozen jagged branches. I was bleeding and bruised and exhausted. The guinea pig inside me wanted to bolt, but I swallowed down my fear. Polyphemus swung the tree again, but this time I was ready. I grabbed a branch as it passed, ignoring the pain in my hands, and I was jerked skyward and let the cyclops lift me into the air. 
At the top of the arc, I let go and fell straight against the giant's face, landing with both feet on his already damaged eye. Polyphemus yowled in pain. Tyson tackled him, pulling him down. I landed next to them, sword in hand, within striking distance of the monster's heart. But I locked eyes with Tyson, and I knew I couldn't do it. It just wasn't right. Let him go, I told Tyson. Run! With one last mighty effort, Tyson pushed the cursing older Cyclops away, and we ran for the surf. I will smash you! Polyphemus yelled, doubled over in pain, his enormous hands cupped over his eye. Tyson and I plunged into the waves. Where are you? Polyphemus screamed. He picked up his tree club and threw it into the water. It splashed off to our right. I summoned up a current to carry us, and we started gaining speed. I was beginning to think we might make it to the ship when Clarice shouted from the deck, Yeah, Jackson, in your face, Cyclops! Shut up, I wanted to yell. (laughs) Polyphemus picked up a boulder. He threw it toward the sound of Clarice's voice, but it fell short, narrowly missing Tyson and me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah! Clarice taunted. You throw like a wimp! Teach you to try marrying me, you idiot! Clarice! I yelled, unable to stand it. Shut up! Too late. Polyphemus threw another boulder, and this time I watched helplessly as it sailed over my head and crashed through the hull of Queen Anne's Revenge. You wouldn't believe how fast a ship can sink. The Queen Anne's Revenge creaked and groaned and listed forward like it was going down a playground slide. I cursed, willing the sea to push us faster, but the ship's masts were already going under. Dive, I told Tyson. As another rock sailed over our heads, we plunged underwater. My friends were sinking fast, trying to swim without luck in the bubbly trail of the ship's wreckage. Not many people realize that when a ship goes down, it acts like a sinkhole, pulling down everything around it. Clarice was a strong swimmer, but even she wasn't making any progress. Grover frantically kicked with his hooves. Annabeth was hanging on to the fleece, which flashed in the water like a wave of new pennies. I swam toward them, knowing that I might not have the strength to pull my friends out. Worse, pieces of timber were swirling around them. None of my power with water would help if I got whacked in the head by a beam. We need help, I thought. Yes. Hmm. Tyson's voice, loud and clear in my head. I looked over at him, startled. I'd heard Nereids and other water spirits speak to me underwater before, but it never occurred to me. Tyson was a son of Poseidon. We could communicate with each other. Hmm, Rainbow, Tyson said. I nodded, then closed my eyes and concentrated, adding my voice to Tyson's. Rainbow! Rainbow, we need you! 
Immediately, shapes shimmered in the darkness below. Three horses with fishtails galloping upward faster than dolphins. Rainbow and his friends glanced in our direction and seemed to read our thoughts. They whisked into the wreckage, and a moment later burst upward in a cloud of bubbles. Grover, Annabeth, and Clarice each clinging to the neck of a hippocampus. Rainbow, the largest, had Clarice. He raced over to us and allowed Tyson to grab hold of his mane. His friend who bore Annabeth did the same for me. We broke the surface of the water and raced away from Polyphemus's island. Behind us, we could hear the Cyclops roaring in triumph. I did it! I finally sank nobody! I hoped he never found out he was wrong. We skimmed across the sea as the island shrank to a dot and then disappeared. Oh, did it? Annabeth muttered in exhaustion. We did. We did it. She slumped against the neck of the hippocampus and instantly fell asleep. I don't know how far the hippocampi could take us. I didn't know where we were going. I just propped up Annabeth so she wouldn't fall off, covered her in the golden fleece that we'd been through so much to get, and said a silent prayer of thanks. Which reminded me, I still owed the gods a debt. You're a genius, I told Annabeth quietly. Then I put my head against the fleece, and before I knew it, I was asleep too. Now you may see why we went with three chapters tonight. An incredibly short one. <laughs> like less than... Like less than ten minutes long. It was a real short one. So don't worry, we're doing two other chapters tonight as well, which are much more standard lengths. So, y'all, hold on tight. Uh, I don't think we're going to take a break yet. I think I'm going to save my break for after this next chapter. Uh, once again, for anyone joining us late, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. You can find me Tuesday through Thursday here streaming, and you can use the playlist command or find the links down in the YouTube description if you want to know more about what the heck we do here. There we go. Uh, Stationary Fork, hello! How are you doing? When did you get in? <laughs> it's the fork! The fork has arrived. Um, Y'all, we're about to go into our next chapter. Uh, I'm seeing MMP over here. MMP has, has provided us with a bit of context on the Sorcerer-Cersei possible connection. It looks like the answer might be no. MMP says Sorcerer is from Latin, not Greek. Sorcerer wizard from uh, medieval latin uh sortiarius um teller of fortunes by lot sorcerer literally one who influences fate or fortune from latin sors genitive sortis lot fate fortune or rather latin via old french sorcier and apparently cersei's name is derived from the greek verb um kirkuo, meaning to secure with rings or hoop around now that is wild. MMP, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for looking into that. Um, a bit of review on what happened in this last chapter. Um, for anyone who's joining us super late and just getting into our next chapter, Polyphemus is alive. 
more blind than ever, chases them out onto the beach. Um, Tyson uh, tries to sort of bait Tyson into staying or into turning against Percy, um, calling him a, a traitor or something. But Tyson is loyal to his friends, not to just another Cyclops. Um, and uh, Percy and Tyson try to hold Polyphemus off while the rest of them get to the ship. Unfortunately, Clarice can't keep her mouth shut. And I mean this very literally because Polyphemus can't really see much, so he's using sound to locate his targets. He chucks some rocks over in that direction and ends up sinking the ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge. This is the pirate ship that they rode in on. Belongs to Blackbeard, a bit of fun trivia for you. And I should say it used to belong to Blackbeard. Before, before Percy and the gang, <laughs> he would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for these meddling kids. But um, uh, in spite of this... Tyson has the idea, has an idea. Um, Percy realizes they need some help to get away, but Tyson's the one who starts to call sort of what, telepathically for Rainbow, the hippocampus, the sort of water horse that brought them out to the Princess Andromeda, that other ship earlier on in the book, made good friends with Tyson, and uh, Tyson starts to call this hippocampus. Hippocampus brings friends, and off they go away from the island with Polyphemus roaring in triumph, because what he thinks it happens is he finally sank nobody. This person who's been trolling him essentially for hundreds of years. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, y'all... I hope you've enjoyed it so far, and without further ado, let's just roll right into chapter two of the three that we're doing this evening. Thank you all for joining me here. As per usual, if you've got something you want to talk about, throw it in the chat. I'd love to discuss it. I think that's the weirdest I've ever pitched that. That's the creepiest I've ever said that. What do you think? Hmm. Yes, if you'd like to discuss anything, please put it in the chat. I would. I would simply love to talk about it. Chapter 17. We get a surprise on Miami Beach. Percy. Percy, wake up. Salt water splashed against my face. Annabeth was shaking my shoulder. In the distance, the sun was setting behind a city skyline. I could see a beachside highway lined with palm trees, storefronts glowing with red and blue neon, a harbor filled with sailboats and cruise ships. Miami, I think, Annabeth said, but the hippocampi are acting funny. Sure enough, our fishy friends had slowed down and were whinnying and swimming in circles, sniffing the water. They didn't look happy. One of them sneezed. I could tell what they were thinking. Yeah, this is as, this is as far as they're going to take us, I said. Too many humans, too much pollution. We'll have to swim to the shore... On our own. None of us was very psyched about that, but we thanked Rainbow and his friends for the ride. Tyson cried a little. He unfastened the makeshift saddlepack he'd made, which contained his toolkit and a couple of other things he'd salvaged from the Birmingham wreck. He hugged Rainbow around the neck, gave him a soggy mango he'd picked up on the island, and said goodbye. Once the hippocampi's white manes disappeared into the sea, we swam for shore. The waves pushed us forward, and in no time we were back in the mortal world. We wandered along the cruise line docks, pushing through crowds of people arriving for vacations. Porters bustled around with carts of luggage. 
Taxi drivers yelled at each other in Spanish and tried to cut in line for customers. If anybody noticed us, five kids, dripping wet and looking like they just had a fight with a monster, they didn't let on. Now that we were back among mortals, Tyson's single eye had blurred with the mist. Grover had put his cap and sneakers back on. Even the fleece had transformed from a sheepskin to a red and gold high school letter jacket with a large, glittery omega on the pocket. Annabeth ran to the nearest newspaper box and checked the date on the Miami Herald. She cursed. June 18th. We've been away from camp for ten days. That's impossible, Clarice said, but I knew that it wasn't. Time traveled differently in monstrous places. Oh, Talia's dream must be almost dead, Grover wailed. We've got to get the fleas back tonight. Clarice slumped down on the pavement. How are we supposed to do that? Her voice trembled. We're hundreds of miles away. No money, no rides, just like that oracle said. It's your fault, Jackson. If you hadn't interfered... Percy's fault? Annabeth exploded. Clarice, how can you say that? You're the biggest... Stop it, I said. Clarice put her head in her hands. Annabeth stomped her foot in frustration. The thing was... I'd almost forgotten this quest was supposed to be Clarice's. For a scary moment, I saw things from her point of view. How would I feel if a bunch of other heroes had butted in and made me look bad? I thought about what I'd overheard in the boiler room of the CSS Birmingham. Ares yelling at Clarice, warning her that she'd better not fail. Ares couldn't care less about the camp, but if Clarice made him look bad... Clarice, I said. What did the oracle tell you exactly? She looked up. I thought she was going to tell me off, but instead she took a deep breath and recited her prophecy. You shall sail the iron ship with warriors of bone. You shall find what ye seek and make it your own. But despair for your life entombed within stone and fail without friends. To fly home alone. Ouch, Grover mumbled. No, I said. No, wait a minute, I got it. I searched my pockets for money but found nothing but golden drachma. Hey, has anybody got any cash? Annabeth and Grover shook their heads morosely. Clarice pulled a wet Confederate dollar from her pocket and sighed. Hmm. Hmm. Cash? Tyson said hesitantly, like, mm, green paper. I looked at him. Yeah? Like, in the duffel bags. Yeah, but we lost those days ago. I stuttered to a halt as Tyson rummaged in his saddle pack and pulled out the Ziploc bag full of cash that Hermes had included in our supplies. <laughs> Tyson, I said. How did you... I thought it was a feed bag for a rainbow, hmm, he said. Found it floating in sea, hmm, only paper inside. Sorry, hmm. He handed me the cash, fives and tens, at least three hundred dollars. I ran to the curb and grabbed a taxi that was just sitting, letting out a family of cruise passengers. Clarice, I yelled, come on, you're going to the airport. Annabeth, give her the fleece. 
I'm not sure which of them looked more stunned as I took the fleece letter jacket from Annabeth, tucked the cash into its pocket, and put it on Clarice's arms. Clarice said, You... you would let me... It's your quest, I said. We've only got enough money for one flight. Besides, I, I can't travel by air. Zeus would blast me into a million pieces. That's what the prophecy meant. You'd fail without friends. Meaning you'd need our help, but you'd have to fly home alone. You have to get the fleece back safely. I could see her mind working. Suspicious at first, wondering what trick I was playing, and then finally deciding I meant what I said. She jumped into the cab. You can count on me. I won't fail. Yeah, not failing would be good. The cab peeled out in a cloud of exhaust. The fleece was on its way. Percy, Annabeth said. That was so... Generous, Grover offered. Insane, Annabeth corrected. You're betting the lives of everyone at the camp that Clarice will get this fleece safely back by tonight? It's her quest, I said. She deserves a chance. Hmm. Hmm. Percy is nice, Tyson said. Percy is too nice, Annabeth grumbled, but I couldn't help thinking that maybe, just maybe, she was a little impressed. I'd surprised her anyway, and that was not easy to do. Come on, I told my friends. Let's find another way home. That's when I turned and found a sword point at my throat. Hey, cuz, said Luke. Welcome back to the States. His bear man thugs appeared on either side of us. One grabbed Annabeth and Grover by their t-shirt collars. Another tried to grab Tyson, but Tyson knocked him into a pile of luggage and roared at Luke. Percy, Luke said calmly, you tell your giant to back down or I'll have Aureus bash your friend's heads together. Aureus grinned and raised Annabeth and Grover off the ground, kicking and screaming. What do you want, Luke? I growled. He smiled, the scar rippling on the side of his face. He gestured toward the end of the dock, and I noticed what I should have seen as obvious. The biggest boat in the port was Princess Andromeda. Why, Percy, Luke said, I want to extend my hospitality, of course. The bear twins herded us toward the Princess Andromeda. They threw us down on the aft deck in front of a swimming pool with sparkling fountains that sprayed into the air. A dozen of Luke's assorted goons, snake people, Lestragonians, demigods in battle armor, had gathered to watch us get some hospitality. And so, the fleece, Luke mused. Come on, where is it? He looked us over, prodding my shirt with the tip of his sword, poking Grover's jeans. Hey, Grover yelled, that's real goat fur down there. Sorry, old friend, Luke smiled. You just give me the fleece and I'll return you to your little nature quest. 
<laughs> Grover protested. Some old friend. Maybe you didn't hear me. Luke's voice was dangerously calm. Where is the fleece? It's not here, I told him. I probably shouldn't have told him anything, but it felt good to throw the truth in his face. We sent it on ahead of us. You messed up. Luke's eyes narrowed. You're lying. You couldn't have... His face reddened as a horrible possibility occurred to him. Clarice? I nodded. You trust... You... You... You gave... Yeah. Agrius. The bear flinched. Y yes. Go below and prepare my steed. Bring it to the deck. I need to fly to Miami airport fast. But, boss, do it, Luke screamed, or I'm going to feed you to the Dracon. The bear man gulped and lumbered down the stairs. Luke paced in front of the swimming pool, cursing an ancient creek, gripping his sword so tight that his knuckles turned white. The rest of Luke's crew looked uneasy. Maybe they'd never seen their boss so unhinged before. I started thinking. If I could use Luke's anger, get him to talk so everyone could hear how crazy his plans were. I looked at the swimming pool, at the fountains spraying mist into the air, making a rainbow in the sunset, and I suddenly had an idea. You've been toying with us all along, I said. You wanted us to bring you the fleece and save you the trouble of getting it. Luke scowled. Of course, you idiot, and you messed everything up. Traitor! I dug my last gold drachma out of my pocket and threw it at Luke. As I expected, he dodged it easily. The coins sailed into the spray of the rainbow-colored water. I hoped my prayer would be accepted in silence. I thought with all my heart, O oh, goddess, accept my offering. You tricked all of us, I yelled at Luke. Even Dionysus at Camp Half-Blood. Behind Luke, the fountain began to shimmer, but I needed everyone's attention on me, so I uncapped Riptide. Luke just sneered. This is no time for heroics, Percy. Drop your puny little sword, or I'm going to have you killed sooner rather than later. Who poisoned Talia's tree, Luke? I did, of course, he snarled. I already told you that. I use the Elder Python venom straight from the depths of Tartarus. Chiron had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know they never would. The old fool didn't have the guts. You call it guts? Betraying your friends? Endangering the whole camp? Luke raised his sword. You wouldn't understand the half of it. I was going to let you take the fleece once I was done with it. That made me hesitate. Why would he let me take the fleece? He must have been lying. But I couldn't afford to lose his attention. You were going to heal Kronos, I said. Yes. The fleece's magic would have sped his mending process up by tenfold. But you haven't stopped us, Percy. You only slowed us down a little. And so you poisoned the tree. You betrayed Talia. You set all of us up. All to help Kronos destroy the gods. Luke gritted his teeth. You know that. Why do you keep asking me? 
Because I want everybody in the audience to hear you. What audience? Then his eyes narrowed. He looked behind him and his goons did the same. They gasped and stumbled back. Above the pool, shimmering in the rainbow mist, was an iris message vision of Dionysus. Tantalus, the whole camp in the dining pavilion. They sat in stunned silence, watching us. Uh, well, said Dionysus dryly, some unplanned dinner entertainment. Mr. D, you heard him, I said. You all heard Luke. The poisoning of the tree wasn't Chiron's fault. Mr. D sighed. Oh, I suppose not. The Iris message could be a trick, Tantalus suggested, but his attention was mostly on his cheeseburger, which he was trying to corner with both hands. I fear not, Mr. D said, looking with distaste at Tantalus. It appears I shall have to reinstate Chiron as activities director. I suppose I do miss the old horse's pinochle games. Tantalus grabbed the cheeseburger. It didn't bolt away from him. He lifted it from the plate and stared at it in amazement, as if it were the largest diamond in the world. I got it, he cackled. We are no longer in need of your services, Tantalus, Mr. D announced. Tantalus looked stunned. What? But you may return the underworld. You are dismissed. No! No, but... but no! As he dissolved into mist, his fingers clutched at the cheeseburger, trying to bring it to his mouth. But it was too late. He disappeared and the cheeseburger fell back onto the plate. The campers exploded into cheering. Luke bellowed with rage. He slashed his sword through the fountain and the iris message dissolved, but the deed was done. I was feeling pretty good about myself until Luke turned back and gave me a murderous look. Kronos was right, Percy. You're an unreliable weapon. You need to be replaced. I wasn't sure what he meant, but I didn't have time to think about it. One of his men blew a brass whistle. The deck doors flew open. A dozen more warriors poured out, making a circle around us, the brass tips of their spears bristling. Luke smiled at me. You'll never leave this boat alive. There it is, gang. End of chapter two out of three chapters today. So, that's right, we got one more chapter left to go. And y'all, we are chugging through these, aren't we? <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break, as I always do. This is my, this is my, uh, my quick fiver that I'm going to take before our last uh, chapter of the evening. I know, I know, the whole stream feels a little short tonight, but like I said, the alternative was I could try to read four chapters tonight and have one short chapter left at the end of next, or uh, for our next stream, so this seemed like the better way of the two to do it. Um, and also, it means that some of y'all who got to be getting to bed a little earlier, maybe you'll get a chance to do so. Maybe. I make no guarantees. Now... Uh, let's see what chat is saying. Dahlia says, Luke is offering his hospitality to Percy and the gang. Uh, kind of getting, let's see, getting Fabriella caught up. Gotcha. Dahlia says, 
while we wouldn't have a story if they actually kept uh if they actually did the smart adult strategy of keeping silent uh makes for the best drama uh to have their character flaws highlighted and why their flaws i think you're right i think you're right and frankly you know these are high stress situations i think that you know young adult literature has often been sort of like um uh people will harsh harsh that mellow because of the often like slightly less the the less the slightly shallower way that it addresses certain things um but frankly i don't think it's any less shallow than the original myths that these are based on uh frankly i think the sort of the prime uh what do they what do they call it the the fatal flaw the this idea of a fatal flaw is really a very broad brush uh i would say that some folks maybe have got a this one notable flaw that really harshes their mellow all the time but frankly i think for the most part most people have many flaws and so the fact that this is sort of exploring specific flaws on um kind of in, in bold strokes i think it is it is hearkening back to the original material so that's what i've got to say about that um <laughs> let's see let's see um y'all we got to think of a chatter break question because we're gonna need one before we come back from our break uh what do we think what's what has made everyone curious as we're rounding up on the end of this book what has been the most interesting thing that y'all have seen so far what has made you the most curious what has made you the most confused <laughs> <laughs> Sparkle of Good says, except me, I'm practically perfect in every way. Indeed. How, how close was I to your voice, Sparkle of Good? Stationary Fork says, it really puts into perspective, too, that they're kids dealing with this. It would be hard as an adult, but I think the writing is really good to see this from a younger perspective. Yeah. I think younger folks, uh, oftentimes, they will sort of like they pick broad brushes to work with for themselves. You know, they, uh, it's the reason why we see a lot in terms of like phases when folks are younger, uh, younger folks will go through these phases where they latch onto something specific really, really hard. Um, and they'll sort of define themselves by, uh, kind of a narrow little bandwidth of, uh, very specific things. Um, you know, two or three big highlights about themselves. And I think we're seeing this play out in, in exactly that way. Orly Rose says, why does Luke consider Percy a weapon? An interesting question. Interesting indeed. Blake Deity says, I would like to know why the gods low-key hate their children so much to have Tantalus in charge. <laughs> and yeah, was it? Who, who was in charge of that decision? Because I believe it was mentioned earlier on that, you know, uh, Mr. D was not necessarily the, the sort of like... He's the one who presides over the camp, but I don't know that it was necessarily his call to have Tantalus there at the camp. It was a pretty weird move, wasn't it? Yeah, why Tantalus? Why Tantalus? Why did they decide Tantalus was the right person to be in charge? <laughs> Sparkle Lovegood says, I'm five foot one with a super deep voice that surprises people when I first meet them. I'm practically perfect in every way. Hold on, I can go a little lower. Um, practically perfect in every way. <laughs> Sloth Creature says, maybe they have no one else? That does seem interesting. Let's see. I guess immortality breeds ennui. Oh, I, th I think... I was going to say maybe the opposite, but I have not put enough thought into it. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, how does... How does immortality sort of interact with your overall, like, look at the world? I've, th I've thought about it in certain other contexts, but not this one. 
highlight of your week. <laughs> okay. Um, y'all, I think my chatterbait question is going to be, Chiron is suspect at the moment. Who would you put in charge? And it doesn't need to be someone we've already met in this book. Who in the sort of mythical world would you have put in charge of the camp during this time? Now with that, everyone, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. I'm going to take a quick five-minute break, and we're coming back with our last chapter for the evening. We are reading through Percy Jackson, The Sea of Monsters. And uh, if you would like to find out more, you can find uh, the rest of the playlist here at PJ2, I believe is the command. Indeed, PJ2. You can take that over to YouTube, and that will bring you to the previous episodes. Y'all... If you just want to find out more about what I'm doing, what my whole deal is, you can follow this new link that has popped up, or of course it is, as always, down in the YouTube description below. I will see you all in five minutes. Adios. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. How you doing? Are you been, what have all you guys been up to since I was gone? Well, what's been going on back in here since I left you? Let's see. Let's see. So, we have got a Chatterbrick question on the table. Chatterbrick question is, who are you going to leave in charge of camp while all of this is going down? Because uh, Chiron apparently can't be, but who's kind of in charge of, uh, of camp programming and such? Technically, Mr. D is in charge, but sort of on an administrative level. We're talking, we're talking that that uh, assistant principal kind of vibe that ap that down in the down in the trenches with all the students or what have you i don't know um let's see vain how it suggests what about calypso an interesting topic calypso is frankly somebody i don't know a ton about uh outside of like <laughs> i mean outside of uh um uh part of the caribbean good lord um uh i yeah i can't think of a ton about calypso i mean i know like calypso's sort of uh fantastical involvement i know what what calypso's kind of affiliations are in the natural or mythical world but i don't know much about her specifically tanisha says tyson and annabeth definitely could have been really wholesome and fun and also really safe um wait hold on what what are we talking there Tyson and annabeth definitely would have been really wholesome and fun and also really safe. Oh, you mean you would have put them in charge, says Tanisha. I think? I think that's what Tanisha's saying? Correct me if I'm wrong, Tanisha. Um, but yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Annabeth uh, and, and Stationary Fork is echoing that. I could see Annabeth growing up to run the camp. She would want the best for the campers. She would be a great person to help new campers find their way. I would add she would also always have kind of a plan in mind. Um, which I realize has become kind of a meme for her at this point. But I think, you know, it's important to have some kind of plan. I think she'd be good at programming, right? At, at coming up with the program for what the uh, students are going to be learning. I think they would come out of every year stronger than they went in. Whether that's literally or in some sort of, like, uh, strategic way or their minds are stronger. I Yeah, I think um, Annabeth, once she's got some of her, like, some of the... the issues of her youth sorted out a bit more yeah i could definitely see her growing up to run this camp plague deity says the only reason i can think of to put uh, that they put tantalus in charge is to show the kids uh let's see what not to become as heroes gotcha <laughs> plague deity says tantalus is a warning don't do this all right or maybe just as like a you better appreciate chiron well you've got him because uh look we got some real turds lined up if <laughs> if, <laughs> if chiron isn't your guy 
Sparkle Lovegood says, I always thought the stepdad was going to turn out to be some kind of monster. Oh, Gabe? Gabe? Yeah. You can kind of see it coming, right? You, you kind of feel like there's something off about him. He's just too awful to be to be real, but I guess not. Uh, Orly Rose says, uh, she was the goddess of the wilds. Could help rebuild the camp. I think she'd be level-headed and responsible. She's already got leadership experience with young people. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, you get a little, you get a tiny little melody, Dahlia. I'm, I'm slowly catching up with chat. Um, let's see. Dahlia says, I've already got two votes as Hagrid for camp director. He could defend against magical creatures and potentially tame them, too. Certainly this year. That, that, that seems to be the big one, right? Magical monsters. Those are the big, those are the, the big problems. And so, yeah, I think, although, <laughs> although I do think Hag, Hagrid is a sort of a, you didn't cheat, but you cheesed it a little bit. You just cheesed it. You didn't cheat, but you cheesed it a little. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if uh, what it would take to pull Hagrid into this universe. Um, let's see. What else? What else? Sanders says he's a monster in his own way. <laughs> then she says Tantalus uh, serves his child to Zeus, the gods. We should send him to help run a children's camp. Yeah, he like Tantalus had some notably like offspring-related crimes. awful just awful thank you for hanging out and having these discussions with me um because i think uh some of this talk about who we would put in charge um you know if depending on how things end up for our uh for our good friend chiron maybe we'll need somebody else to fill that position who knows is this is this job going to be cursed like the um defense against the dark arts position is we cursed just every year somebody new is in there only one way to find out let's read Chapter 18 The Party Ponies Invade One on one, I challenged Luke. What are you afraid of? Luke curled his lip. The soldiers who were about to kill us hesitated, waiting for his order. Before he could say anything, Agrius, the bear man, burst onto the deck leading a flying horse. It was the first pure black pegasus I'd ever seen, with wings like a giant raven. The pegasus mare buckled and whinnied. I could understand her thoughts. She was calling Agrius and Luke some names so bad Chiron would have washed her muzzle out with saddle soap. Sir, Agrius called, dodging a pegasus hoof. Your steed is ready. Luke kept his eyes on me. I told you last summer, Percy, he said. You can't bait me into a fight. And you keep avoiding one, I noticed. You scared that your warriors will see you get whipped. Luke glanced at his men, and he saw I'd trapped him. If he backed down now, he would look weak. If he fought me, he'd lose valuable time chasing after Clarice. For my part, the best I could hope for was to distract him, giving my friends a chance to escape. If anybody could think of a plan to get out of here... Annabeth could. The downside, I knew how good Luke was at sword fighting. Huh. I'll kill you quickly, he decided and raised his weapon. Backbiter was a foot longer than my own sword. Its blade glinted with an evil gray and gold light where the human steel had been melded with celestial bronze. I could almost feel the blade fighting against itself, like... Two opposing magnets bound together. 
I didn't know how the blade had been made, but I sensed a tragedy. Someone had died in the process. Luke whistled to one of his men who threw him a round leather and bronze shield. He grinned at me wickedly. Luke, Annabeth said, at least give him a shield. Sorry, Annabeth, he said. You bring your own equipment to this party. The shield was a problem. Fighting two-handed with just a sword gives you more power, but fighting one-handed with a shield gives you better defense and versatility. There are more moves, better options, more ways to kill. I thought back to Chiron, who told me to stay at camp no matter what and learn to fight. Now I was going to pay for not listening to him. Luke lunged and almost killed me on his first try. His sword went under my arm, slashing through my shirt and grazing my ribs. I jumped back, then counterattacked with Riptide, but Luke slammed my blade out of the way with his shield. <laughs> oh man, Percy, Luke chided. You're out of practice. He came at me again with a swipe to the head. I parried, returned with a thrust. He sidestepped easily. The cut on my ribs stung. My heart was racing. When Luke lunged again, I jumped backward at the swimming pool and felt a surge of strength. I spun underwater, creating a funnel cloud, and blasted out of the deep end straight at Luke's face. The force of the water knocked him down, sputtering and blinded, but before I could strike, he rolled aside and was on his feet again. I attacked and sliced at the edge of his shield. That didn't even faze him. He dropped to a crouch and jabbed at my legs. Suddenly, my thigh was on fire with a pain so intense I collapsed. My jeans were ripped above the knee. I was hurt. I didn't know how badly. Luke hacked downward and I rolled behind a deck chair. I tried to stand, but my leg wouldn't take the weight. Percy! Grover bleated. I rolled again as Luke's sword slashed the deck chair in half, metal pipes and all. I clawed toward the swimming pool, trying hard not to black out. I'd never make it. Luke knew it, too. He advanced slowly, smiling. The edge of his sword was tinged with red. One thing I want you to watch before you die, Percy. He looked at the bear man, Aureus, who was holding Annabeth and Grover by the necks. You can eat your dinner now, Aureus. Bon appetit. <laughs> the bear man lifted my friends and bared his teeth. That's when all Hades broke loose. A red-feathered arrow sprouted from Aureus's mouth. With a surprised look on his hairy face, he crumpled to the deck. Brother! Agrius wailed. He let the Pegasus's reins slack just long enough for the black steed to kick him in the head and fly away free over Miami Bay. For a split second, Luke's guards were too stunned to do anything but watch the bear twins' bodies dissolve into smoke. And then there was a wild chorus of war cries and hooves thundering against metal. A dozen centaurs charged out of the main stairwell. Hmm, ponies! Tyson cried with delight. My mind had trouble processing everything I saw. Chiron was among the crowd, but his relatives were almost nothing like him. There were centaurs with black Arabian stallion bodies, others with gold palomino coats, others with gold and white spots like paint horses. Some wore brightly colored t-shirts with day-glow letters that said, Party Ponies, South Florida Chapter. Some were armed with bows, some with baseball bats, some with paintball guns. 
One had his face painted like a Comanche warrior and was waving a large styrofoam hand, making a big number one. Another was bare-chested and painted entirely green. A third one had googly eyeglasses with the eyeballs bouncing around on slinky coils. One of those baseball caps with soda can and straw attachments on either side. They exploded onto the deck with such ferocity and color that for a moment even Luke was stunned. I couldn't tell whether they had come to celebrate or attack. Apparently both. As Luke was raising his sword to rally his troops, a centaur shot a custom-made arrow with a leather boxing glove on the end. It smacked Luke in the face and sent him crashing into the swimming pool. His warriors scattered. I couldn't blame them. Facing the hooves of a rearing stallion is scary enough, but when it's a centaur, armed with a bow and whooping it up with a soda-straw drinking hat, even the bravest warrior would retreat. "'Yeah, come and get some!' yelled one of the party ponies. They let loose with their paintball guns. A wave of blue and yellow exploded against Luke's warriors, blinding them and splattering them from head to toe. They tried to run, only to slip and fall. Chiron galloped toward Annabeth and Grover, plucking them neatly off the deck and depositing them on his back. I tried to get up, but my wounded leg still felt like it was on fire. Luke was crawling out of the pool. Attack! Attack, you fools! He ordered his troops. Somewhere below deck, a large alarm bell thrummed. I knew any second we would be swamped by Luke's reinforcements. Already, his warriors were getting over their surprise, coming at the centaurs with swords and spears drawn. Tyson slapped a half-dozen of them aside, knocking them over the guardrail into Miami Bay, but more warriors were charging up the stairs. "'Withdraw, brethren!' Chiron said. "'You won't get away with this, horseman!' Luke shouted. He raised his sword, but got smacked in the face with another boxing glove arrow and sat down hard on a deck chair. A Palomino centaur hoisted me onto his back. Dude, get your big friend. Tyson! I yelled. Come on! Tyson dropped the two warriors he was about to tie into a knot and jogged after us. He jumped on the centaur's back. Dude! The centaur groaned, almost buckling under Tyson's weight. Do the words low-carb diet mean anything to you? Luke's warriors were organizing themselves into a phalanx. By the time they were ready to advance, the centaurs had galloped to the edge of the deck and fearlessly jumped the guardrail, as if it were a steeplechase and not ten stories above the ground. I was sure we were going to die. We plummeted toward the docks, but the centaurs hit the asphalt with hardly a jolt and galloped off, whooping and yelling taunts at the Princess Andromeda as we raced into the streets of downtown Miami. I had no idea what the Miamians thought as we galloped by. Streets and buildings began to blur as the centaurs picked up speed. It felt as if space were compacting, as if each centaur took a step miles and miles forward. In no time, we'd left the city behind. We raced through marshy fields of high grass and ponds and stunted trees. Finally, we found ourselves in a trailer park at the edge of a lake. The trailers were all horse trailers, tricked out with televisions and mini-refrigerators and mosquito netting. We were in a centaur camp. Dude, said a party pony as he unloaded his gear. 
Did you see that bear guy? He was all like, whoa, I've got an arrow in my mouth. The centaur with the googly eye glasses laughed. That was awesome. Head slam. The two centaurs charged at each other full force and knocked heads, then went staggering off in different directions with crazy grins on their faces. Chiron sighed. He set Annabeth and Grover down in a picnic blanket next to me. I really wish my cousins wouldn't slam their heads together. They, they don't have the brain cells to spare. Chiron, I said, still stunned by the fact that he was here. You saved us. He gave me a dry smile. Oh, well, now, I couldn't very well let you die, especially since you've cleared my name. But how did you know where we were? Advanced planning, my dear. I figured that you would wash up near Miami, if you made it out of the Sea of Monsters alive. Almost everything strange washes up near Miami. Mm, gee, thanks, Grover mumbled. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't mean... Never mind. I am glad to see you, my young satyr. The point is, I was able to eavesdrop on Percy's iris message and trace the signal. Iris and I have been friends for centuries. I asked her to alert me to any important communications in this area. It then took no effort to convince my cousins to aid in your ride. As you see, centaurs can travel quite fast when we wish to. Distance is not the same for us as it is for humans. I looked over at the campfire, where three party ponies were teaching Tyson to operate a paintball gun. I hoped they knew what they were getting into. So, so what now? I asked Chiron. We just let Luke sail away. He's got Kronos aboard that ship, or parts of him anyway. Chiron knelt, carefully folding his front legs beneath him. He opened the medicine pouch on his belt and started to treat my wounds. I'm afraid, Percy, that today has been something of a draw. We didn't have the strength of numbers to take that ship. Luke was not organized enough to pursue us. Nobody won. But we got the fleece, Annabeth said. Clarice is on her way back to camp with it right now. Chiron nodded, though he still looked uneasy. You are all true heroes. And as soon as we get Percy fixed up, you must return to Camp Half-Blood. The centaurs shall carry you. You're coming too? I asked. Oh, yes, Percy. I'll be relieved to get home. My brethren here simply do not appreciate Dean Martin's music. Besides, I must have some words with Mr. D. There's the rest of the summer to plan. So much training to do, and I want to see... I'm curious about the fleece. I didn't know exactly what he meant, but it made me worried about what Luke had said. I was going to let you take the fleece once I was done with it. Had he just been lying? I'd learned with Kronos there was usually a plan within a plan. The Titan Lords wasn't called the Crooked One for nothing. He always had ways of getting people to do what he wanted without them ever realizing his true intentions. Over by the campfire, Tyson let loose with his paintball gun. 
A blue projectile splattered against one of the centaurs, hurling him backward into the lake. The centaur came up grinning, covered in swamp muck and blue paint, and gave Tyson two thumbs up. Annabeth, Chiron said. Perhaps you and Grover will go supervise Tyson and my cousins before they teach each other too many bad habits. Annabeth met his eyes. Some kind of understanding passed between them. Sure, Chiron, Annabeth said. Come on, go boy. But I don't like paintball. Yes, you do. She hoisted Grover to his hooves and led him off toward the campfire. Chiron finished bandaging my leg. Percy, I had a talk with Annabeth on the way here. A talk about the prophecy. Uh-oh, I thought. It wasn't her fault, I said. I made her tell me. His eyes flickered with irritation. I was sure he was going to chew me out, but then his look turned to weariness. I suppose I could not expect to keep it secret forever. So am I the one in the prophecy? Chiron tucked his bandages back to his belt. I wish I knew, Percy. You're not yet sixteen. For now we must simply train you as best we can and leave the future to the fates. The fates. I hadn't thought about those old ladies for a long time, but as soon as Chiron mentioned them, something clicked. That's what it meant, I said. Chiron frowned. That's what what meant? Last summer. The omen from the fates, when I saw them snip somebody's life string. I thought that it meant I was going to die right away, but it's worse than that. It's got something to do with your prophecy. The death that they foretold, it's going to happen when I'm 16. Chiron's tail whisked nervously in the grass. My boy, you can't be sure of that. We, we don't even know if the prophecy is about you. But there isn't any other half-blood child of the big three. That we know of. And Chiron is rising. He's going to destroy Mount Olympus. He will try. Chiron agreed, and Western civilization along with it if we don't stop him. But we will stop him. You will not be alone in that fight. I knew he was trying to make me feel better, but I remembered what Annabeth had told me. It would come down to one hero, one decision, that would save or destroy the West. And I felt sure the fates had been giving me some kind of warning about that, something terrible was going to happen, either to me or to somebody I was close to. I'm just a kid, Chiron, I said miserably. What good is one lousy hero against something like Kronos? Chiron managed to smile. What good is one lousy hero? Uh, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain said something like that to me once just before he single-handedly changed the course of your civil war. He pulled an arrow from his quiver and turned the razor-sharp tip so it glinted in the firelight. Celestial bronze, Percy. An immortal weapon. What would happen if you shot this at a human? 
Nothing, I said. It would pass right through. That's right, he said. Humans don't exist on the same level as the immortals. They can't even be hurt by our weapons. But you, Percy, you are part god, part human. You live in both worlds. You can be harmed by both, and you can affect both. That is what makes heroes so special. You carry the hopes of humanity into the realm of the eternal. Monsters never die. They are reborn from the chaos and barbarism that is always bubbling underneath civilization, the very stuff that makes Kronos stronger. They must be defeated again and again, kept at bay. Heroes embody that struggle. You fight the battles humanity must win every generation in order to stay human. Do you understand? I... I don't know. You must try, Percy. Because whether or not you are a child of the prophecy, Kronos thinks you might be. And after today, he will finally despair of turning you to his side. That is the only reason he hasn't killed you yet, you know. As soon as he's sure he can't use you, he will destroy you. You talk about him like you know him. Chiron pursed his lips. I do know him. I stared at him. I sometimes forgot just how old Chiron was. Is that why Mr. D blamed you when the tree was poisoned? Why you said that some people couldn't trust you? Indeed. But Chiron, I mean, come on. Why would they think that you would ever betray the camp for Kronos? Chiron's eyes were deep brown, full of thousands of years of sadness. Percy, remember your trading. Remember your study of mythology. What is my connection to the Titan Lord? I tried to think, but I'd always gotten my mythology mixed up. Even now, when it was so real, so important to my life, I had trouble keeping all the names and facts straight. I shook my head. You, oh, uh, you, you owe Cronus a favor or something? He, he, he spared your life? Percy, Chiron said, his voice impossibly soft. The Titan, Cronus, is my father. There you have it, everyone. And I thank you very, very much for joining me this evening. Hey, Jelly Gato, hello and welcome to you. Welcome to Scooter Patrol, it's good to have you. If you are looking for more about this channel, you can find it at the links that are popping up right now. And of course, you can use the playlists command. There we go. Those, I'm sure, will pop in eventually. Maybe not, because my bot has been super weird. But uh, you can find those and uh, basically just... Uh, 
linktree slash sidecar stories. That will take you to all of the things that you need to know about sidecar stories in general. Uh, thank you for the reminders, y'all. Gotta hydrate. Gotta get hydrated up. Intikana, it was great to have you back this week. We missed you. I don't know what you're going to be doing next week or beyond, but uh, it was great to have you. I hope you have a good one. Um, y'all, let's see. Yeah, Mike dropped from Chiron, says Lisa Hall. Indeed. Yeah, Chiron, this is some big news from Chiron. Um, it's something that, well, frankly, if Percy had been listening to us, as we've been telling him for almost a full book now, man, you've got to study up on your history. A lot of this stuff would be very, very helpful, would it not? I think it probably would, but... It does not seem that, uh, I mean, admittedly, a lot of the resources available to him nowadays would be in English, but I would be surprised if he couldn't find something about this in ancient Greek, you know? Oh, boy. At the very least, have Annabeth, you know, run you through some, some timelines, some lineages, that sort of thing. But this is a big, this is a big uh, reveal to drop from Chiron. It seems that Chiron... Chiron knows Kronos a little bit more than we might have initially understood. Their relationship is very close. Indeed, Kronos is Chiron's father. Now, we don't know what their relationship was like. We don't know how close they were. We don't know if that changed over time. But essentially, this kind of put Chir this puts Chiron on a similar level to the gods, right? When I think about when I think about centaurs, I don't often think about them as being you know, I, I think of them as being just another sort of race in the world. Uh, someone like dwarves or elves, what have you, um, or humans. Like they're just they're another they're another race that that exists here. But this puts Chiron up there as like a half brother to Zeus. That's a I mean that's a big deal. It also illuminates a little bit more as to why why some of these folks would have been suspicious of Chiron. Um, when the tree was initially poisoned. Sparkle Lovegood says, I guess you can modify an emote, so instead of telling Sam to hydrate, I gave him a drink. Thank you very much, and I believe I'm, what, am I sipping that straw with my forehead? Is that about right? As far as I can tell. Thank you very much. Now, y'all... I think we've got kind of a quiet week this week. Uh, I'm going to remind you all, no streams next week. No streams whatsoever. I'm going to be on the road. The week after that, I'm going to be back on by hook, by crook, or by um, uh, mobile streaming. Hook, crook, or mobile streaming. I'm going to be back on here um, the week after that, but nothing next week. Um, I'm just going to run you all through my schedule really quickly so we don't have to do that at the end. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories, and you can find me here Tuesdays through Thursdays. Tuesdays! Vintage Sidecar, where we shed some light on Classic Lit. Reading The Hobbit right now, it's been excellent. We've only got like four chapters to go. We might finish that while I'm on I'm on vacation. Two, Wednesdays. Wednesdays are now under a new name, Side Cannons! <laughs> that is the name for all of our tabletop RPG stuff. So you can find Chat Plays Dungeon World under that umbrella. You can find The After, which has just finished up. We had our last episode yesterday. And, of course, we've got Side Cannons Minis, which is our new little mini campaign, which I'm running all over the place, frankly. Y'all gotta remember, you gotta comment on those. The only way that story moves forward is if y'all tell me what happens next. What do you do next? It's up to you. You're the adventurer, alright? And finally, on Thursdays, y'all know what it is. Flying Sidecar. 
flying sidecar, a voice actor's venture through some stories that we all love. Um, and that is where we find ourselves today. We're going to be rolling on through. We've only got one more week of this, so not next week, but it's going to be the first one when I'm back. And then it looks like I'm going to be starting a new book while I'm on vacation. So, hey, hey, I've done weirder before. <laughs> I'm planning to bring my whole rig with me, so we'll see how dangerous that is. Hopefully not at all. Hopefully not. Oh, I've got my fingers crossed so hard for that. But uh, wish me luck with that. It's going to be a good trip. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to get to see some family that I have not been able to see for quite a while. Um, certainly the longest since I first moved out here. Um, it's just been a long time since I've seen family, y'all. And that's, I mean, that's not my favorite. I don't like waiting in between those times. So there we go. Rose says, I've been locked out of commenting uh, permissions on Discord for about a week. I'm not sure what's up. Um, says Rose, I will have to check on that. Yeah, you might have gotten, like, it might have timed you out if you did, like, a bunch of mentions right in a row or something. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely take a look at that. Sorry about that. Um, and, uh, let's see. As a matter of fact, I can do that now. Rose. Yeah, let's see. It timed you out for... Uh, it says it for it was for mention spamming. Um, basically, that just means you you tagged at a bunch of people at once, and so it uh, it timed you out. Um, that's not that's not your fault. Um, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to adjust some of those settings. I think. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, what do y'all think? What do y'all think of the chapters today? I think it was a good one, and uh, frankly, although it was, although we had three chapters, it didn't feel like a long, did not feel like a long stream. We're only just now getting to six o'clock, so not too long at all. Thank you, Indicana. I feel you. Yeah, Dahlia, it's been, it's been wild having like a, basically a full year of just nothing. A lot of phone calls, but all those phone calls are like, what have you been up to? Basically nothing. How about you? Yeah, also basically nothing. So even on the phone calls, like there's just not much to connect about. And so it's been, it has been like, it's been layers of tough. So, yeah, it's no good, but we're getting through it. We're getting through it. And I'm glad it feels like it's almost over. Gwindog says, I missed three. You did indeed. You did indeed. Sorry about it. Sorry. Let's see. I don't want... One thing that's really aggravating is it doesn't let me just search... It doesn't let me just search um, for people's names. I have to search for them like... I guess I could have just... I could have searched for t the timeout role. Couldn't I? See who's in it. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Orly Rose, getting rid of your timeout roll there. Okay, cool. You are no longer tagged for timeout, uh, Rose. You should be good to go. It shouldn't It shouldn't have done so for that long either, so I'm going to have to check on that. I'm just getting the settings adjusted. Um, I appreciate you all bearing with it, because of course this is meant to deter like spammers from coming in and like, you know, tagging a bunch of people and waking people up in the middle of the night, that kind of thing. Because that's no good. We got, we got like... We've gotten bombed by that a couple of times, which, frankly, like uh, some of our other mods have done such an excellent job of of uh, taking care of very quickly. So, uh, I appreciate it. I think I got a handle on it, Sander. Uh, let's see. Um, Rose says, uh, "Very glad you get to go home. 
I uh, hope you're seeing your original number one fan. I, I definitely plan to be. Yep. Uh, I'm 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 seeing I'm seeing quite a few people. I'm not seeing everybody because like uh, we're we're all spread across the globe at this point. Not really across the globe. We're spread across the country right now. It used to be across the globe. Now just across the country. Uh, had, we had one in Australia for a while. My brother was in Australia for a bit. Uh, anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about my family, you can head over to Patreon, where I have currently got um, the first episode of a podcast up, and uh, I plan to be releasing the second one before I head out on vacation. I'm going to try and record one while I'm gone as well, but that one might be a little bit more challenging. Uh, the next one is about uh, the Lord of the Rings book, uh, sort of where the Lord of the Rings trilogy has fallen in my life, and and uh, where it's traveled with me, and what it's meant to me, and sort of my first reactions to it. It's not exactly a review, per se, but um, it will definitely be sort of my, my experience with that, if that makes sense. Um, I will not be seeing any of y'all next week, so... I hope to be seeing you all on the week after that. I don't know what the stream's going to look like. It's probably going to be weird and wonky, but hey, scream go wonky all the time. Thank you all very much for joining me, and I will see you all later. Bye-bye, folks. Wish me luck. Wish me luck in my travels. Goodbye!